Good morning, it's Cornelius, and today I will be reading on the chapter called Spiritually Guided Back to the Bad Old Hat, Bad Old Days. Spiritually Guided Back to the Bad Old Days. I hope everybody woke up um, feeling refreshed. Um, I woke up around one o'clock. Um, I was a little bit worried that I would have to stay up again. Um, due to not being able to fall back asleep but fortunately I was able to drift myself back off to sleep and I mean those extra three and four hours that I got was just golden because my body has really been needing me extra sleep Uh, I didn't realize what hard work actually does to the system when you're going nonstop, and it really does increase stress, and we don't even realize it until we start to experience um, physical manifestations. Um, yesterday, I was noticing some twitching in certain ligaments in my hands, and um, I know that's a sign of stress. So um, I need to slow myself down today, uh, take it easy. Uh, learn how to listen not only to my mind but also listen to my body and what it's telling me and you know sometimes it's just good to just rest um calm the mind ease the mind depress the mind through meditation through deep breathing five seconds inhaling five seconds exhale and do that for five to ten minutes per day before you wake up or before you walk out of the door I would say in the afternoon around lunchtime and definitely before you fall asleep and these are just like recalibrative methods for you to um, keep your central nervous system balanced and not overstressing and not putting extra uh, tension on your uh, on your working parts so they can you know, work for you for the rest of your life. So, in saying that, I'll start my chapter. My mind shifted, my thoughts refocused on matters, and my ancestors began to talk to me, guiding me back to places, imposing subjective mind states not readily understood by me, but all in an order to elucidate the coded message hidden within the ethereal fabric of this sphere of reality. It was the ancestors that sent me to Louisiana to visit my father's side of the family. It was there I visited the burial sites of my ancestors. I took pictures of the headstones, developed them, and hung the photos on my wall behind the altar I made, a, I made at home as a way of remembering them. Since I had my last reading with the oracle Priscilla, I have been trying to follow my heart and listen to my inner voice. I arise each morning, go to Starbucks to write out the thoughts flooding my mind. On this day, something told me to leave abruptly and walk down to 132nd Street. I wanted to visit a black-owned African motif shop that sold African uh, journals that I liked. Unfortunately, the store clerk did not have the type of journals that I liked, but we took a moment to chat about various paintings in the store which led to a discussion on black social issues i don't know how she was able to identify the beads i wore around my neck because they were tucked under my shirt but she recognized the blue and the yellow colors peering out of my shirt and asked me where i got them 
I told her that a spiritual reader sold them to me at Union Square and requested that I wear them because I had a curse on me. She told me that the beads were for my protection and then I realized it was no coincidence that I had walked into her shop and that I was being divinely sent to her to receive information from my spirit guides. She told me that I knew that she knew a man that owned a botanic shop in Brooklyn who is an Ifa spiritual healer who contacts Orisha spirits and the ancestors. She explained people go to him uh, to seek guidance about their life. We got on the conversation about life and how, they underst- and how understanding our spiritual instincts. I told her I chanted, but I needed a deeper and spiritual message. She told me that the man went by the name of Bula. So I Googled him and jotted the name and number down and called his botanic shop to book an appointment. I thanked the store clerk for her spiritual guidance and went away feeling relieved that I was not alone. I had been feeling lost and confused on this journey and desperately needed help. I knew that I had been led to the shop so that I could be introduced to a world that would change my life forever and change my entire outlook on the supernal forces that rule our existence. The day of my reading, I went and spent an hour with Bula. He led me downstairs into a basement where he set me down on the floor and he began speaking to the deities concerning my life in a language I was unfamiliar. I sat there in silence for nearly 20 minutes watching him in awe. His eyes were intensely closed and he was in deep contemplation reciting rituals in these African ancestors. After he completed the ritual, he opened his eyes and confirmed that my soul came back from heaven to accomplish something great and was called to give something back to the world before I left. And this has been what is driving me and propelling me along. I was surprised to know that I had ancestors walking with me, driving me along my quest in life as I discover who I am. I needed to understand my spiritual self because the spirits were sending me to specific places that I had to go in order to get to the next clue to my path. Bula explained growth with God was crucial because I was supposed to inspire people. He said that I am someone who would always have to prove myself so I needed to protect my destiny and never give up. Then things would come together. He told me to take care of the dead because my ancestors did walk with me, particularly on my mom's side of the family. He said not to under- he said not understanding my inspirations is like going on a journey without a map. So I needed to always be guided back to the spirit, always allowing it to inspire me. Any small suffering today will prevent a big one from happening in the future, so I need not make knowing who I am and where I am going a big suffering. I figured my spirit guides did not like when I drank, seeing it as a blocking, the flow of light inhibiting me from perceiving the signs coming from the celestial world. I only had one relapse, but I quickly snapped it back together because I was hearing from addicts that it can trigger a dormant genetical anomaly that I feel runs on my family side, mother's side of the family, being that all my aunts and uncles have been have some form of mental disturbance. I was not so arrogant and foolish to think mental illness could not happen to me. I, excuse me. I know now my life has been assigned to carry out a great mission more than I can perceive in this moment. 
So it was imperative that I continue to strengthen my faith, give homage to my ancestors, sisters, stay focused in school, and most importantly, never give up. Bula told me that I would be someone that would help many people and that my name would be known among many. However, I should not concentrate too much on material or financial gains as these pursuits will only stifle my spiritual ambitions and lead me off course. He said that the deities are telling me to write and there will be many people I possibly could help through writing. I know most of this journey requires me to go out into the world and seek out, but a big part of me knows that I need to stay home alone, away from the madness. I created a sanctuary to come home to and to heal from the daily to heal from the daily environments of filthy people in the city. Yet I rarely spend enough time alone in my own thoughts. I have the creative energy to write, and on this night my writing turned into a creative high as the pen flowed across the page. I jolted a bolt of energy surging through me, causing my hands to shake in excitement and uncontrollably for nearly three minutes until I forced myself to relax. After everything was divulged, the energy dissipated. I laid in bed and suddenly I felt this incredible metaphysical presence in the room hovering over me. I was laying on my stomach, half asleep, half awake, but I was certain it was a man's voice that appeared in the room. I told myself it was all in my head. But I was frightened in place, not knowing if it was a ghost wishing to harm me. The voice spoke in a vividly clear and serene yet instructive tone. And I cannot remember what the voice said, but I drifted off to sleep afterwards, too terrified I was going crazy. Was I hallucinating? It could have been a figment of my imagination, yet it felt so real. I woke up the next morning around 8.30 a.m. feeling refreshed, yet curious what the meaning of that experience was. So I started making calls. For some strange reason, something told me to call my sister Shani because she claims that she hears voices. Possibly she could explain this to me. I dialed her number and she picked up immediately. She began to laugh before I mentioned the nature of the call and before I mentioned anything about the voice. I asked her why was she laughing and she said it was nothing. So I told her that I had heard a voice and she told me that she had prayed for the voice to talk to her family for they that knew that her delusions were real. I asked her why she sent her messengers to come talk to me and she said that she, she, she did not know he would do it. All the while she was having a side conversation with this voice while on the phone with me. I was astonished by this because I had not heard her speak to the voices before, but only when she was complaining of the voices taunting her. I never had a reason not to believe her, but I never validated her complaints because I found her to be emotionally exhausting to where I would rush her off the phone before she tried to infect me with her nonsense. But now I was to suspect that she may have something beyond to something because it was no denying that I had heard it as well. I would be lying if I said that I was not worried about this voice as it was a clear sign that of a latent schizophrenic episode, something told me going to an AA meeting would alleviate my anxiety, so I went back to Covenant in Harlem. As I walked and sat down, a lady began to speak. She said that she first came to AA on February 3rd, 1983. I got goosebumps and started paying attention because I knew that this was no coincidence that I was at this meeting. I was led there at this precise moment to hear her experience, and I took it as another sign from the higher power that the spirits was trying to communicate something to me. The day she found sobriety was exactly the same day, month, and year of my birthday.
she went to talk about how she came to New York to be a writer and I was ex- and, and was accepted to the actor's studio a writing school in Manhattan. The universe was handing me my next move right in my hand. I thought to research the school to see if it was worth dropping this social work for and going after my real passion. But my mind was too discombobulated at the time to focus on applying to another school and I soon forgot all about the actor's studio. She also talked about mental illness and how she explained something known as DT, the delirium tremors. I was sober from alcohol for 27 days, so DT must have been what I was experiencing in bed. The only way that I would understand my personality was to understand my sister's mental illness. She was my only connection, and and by going to AA meetings, I would meet many more people that suffered with dual disorders. Ms. Houston, the social worker at the VA, told me that it was common to experience extrasensory perceptions considering that I have a family history of schizophrenia. She told me that the voices that I heard was not uncommon when my body is in transition from being awake to sleep. I felt she was explaining away the vividness of my experience. I was not entirely sure why this happened to me and I regretted telling her about it because she probably thought I was eating kibbles and bits. However, this could all be created in my head, and I may in fact be delirious. All my anxieties, fears, doubts, annoyances, grievances, and myriad obstacles that appeared could all be attributed to a morose disposition or a figment of my imagination. If all my principal's parts are broken down, would the substance of those individual parts still make me what I am? I know that I can never escape it. It's with me by... Exiting in this realm, I leave my corporal body to be in a peripheral reality where I go back into the earth and the cosmos will decide my fate since I can't tolerate myself on, on this earth. I made an attempt to go back to the past to free any denial or shame that, that may have been pinned up. The guilt of subjecting myself sexually to men for the exchange of money came up. I risked my life and health countless of times seeking anyone that could soothe me. I wanted to feel the traction that made me feel something other than a dark-skinned, big-lipped, southern queer with no friends, no supportive family, no direction, no emotional support or stability. This manifested the feeling of pleasure-seeking, growing drunk in me. And what flowed out of my pores was the stench of crackhead men who are allowed to penetrate me without protection. My sex life started in my hometown of Little Rock, Arkansas. I usually went for the older down-low types who were looking to score. Drugs, that is. These aimless nights were lonely. So when I found someone walking alone, I never discerned if they were criminals or HIV positive. But I only needed a willing vessel to satisfy my lonely urge. It was easy to talk to men into having sex with me. Sometimes I would have to offer them money but it was never more than five or ten bucks enough so that they could score some dope it was a miracle i never caught sexually transmitted diseases from any of those encounters on one occasion i went looking under a bridge for a man that i previously had sex with in the back of seat of my car he told me that he slept at this spot under a bridge so i went looking for him and i found him sleeping wrapped in a sleeping bag i wiped his penis penis with a baby wipe then crawled in his dirty sleeping bag with with him 
I was 20 years old and I let him penetrate me under that bridge. I can still remember his moans as he ejaculated inside of me. Then I scattered off, dropping his load on the gravel rocks before hopping back in my car and looking for my next John. I felt such an intense drill, sense of dr- thrill and excitement on those cruising nights. The nights were always calm and weather mild, the sky black and clear, and there was nothing but space and opportunity keeping me restlessly up at night. It was the first time that I truly felt submissive and I was addicted to the attention and I was hooked on the sex. I had to have it. I drove for hours till the break of dawn looking for men roaming the streets. I did not know if it was my was sexual addiction, but this was how I discovered myself on the streets of Little Rock. I thought I too was destined for the streets, owning that element of my character in hopes of immutable love to the same source of my immortal sensuality. I suspect it was only the universe protecting me from becoming a junkie and taking myself out. Going back to AA has brought up several inquiries into learning about mental disorders and I wondered if by exposing myself to all those junkies created a psychosocial disorder in me where I have succumbed to psychological stress, navigating the random interruptions popping up at every whim. When I am at home in the Bronx, it can feel like a battleground filled with people with various mental and psychotic disorders. It's a pervasive and everyone accepts their disorders as normal. And this is very scary for someone like me. The Bronx is saturated with poverty-stricken symptoms that created unusual social relations between members of different backgrounds and nothing can be done about it other than ignoring it. Prejudice seems to be psychoneurological in nature, which creates psychosocial problems in most people, and as a result, I'm often harassed on the streets. I developed enough control not to react, but it feels overwhelming to be harassed when unprovoked. I often feel irritated, but I'm not always certain the cause. I try being relaxed and not feeling irritated by people, but I cannot help perceiving the irritation from others. I know this feeling is solely my making, but I cannot explain what brought about this preoccupation of thought. I came to believe that I had a psychological condition that does what it wants, despite how I want to feel. Excuse me. I'm not saying I needed medication, but it seemed faith was not working. I cannot deny or make light of the feeling inside of me. I'm so overwhelmed by the annoying energies that I pick up, but I cannot avoid the feeling. I hated these fluctuations of emotions that seemed to have a mind of its own. I did not want to be a complete robot, but I could not rely on my emotions. They did, not, they did what, they wanted, what they wanted, and people only exacerbated this condition. Some days I can tolerate all the noise, and other days I want to conceal myself in a soundproof chamber, away from the disturbances of others and even myself. I know my irritability is partly due to feeling frustrated over my family's secretive nature. If it's the lessons was designed to get closer to my family, it only made it that much harder when no one in my family wants to talk and admit to anything. I tried jarring my dad's memory about a family secret that he mentioned to me a few years prior concerning my brother Leroy molesting me when I was five years old. My hopes were that my, by getting clarity that I would not feel as irritable about my childhood trauma, but he suddenly drew a blank and denied every, ever saying that to me. 
He blew up on me and said that he did not want any trouble. Then went on to say that I was going around sowing discord among the family. He flipped the script, making me feel bad for admitting to Leroy that I had learned from him touching me from, from my dad. But my father told me to grow up and let the past stay in the past while not acknowledging how I felt about the matter. It further frustrated me that I had no recollection of my childhood before the age of five. But perhaps I've learned to forget back then to avoid the pain of what possibly did happen to me by my brother. I could not believe what I was hearing. And what made it worse was he claimed to be a child of God and said that I was being used by the devil to make, up, make it all up. These horrible memories had been brought up to force me to communicate with my father. But it was his utter disregard for my feelings and how my childhood turned out that was causing my resentment toward him. I realized in that moment that patching things up with my dad was going to be a big lesson that I would need to answer before I was able to move on and heal from the past. A past I would much rather forget. And the mere thought of foreseeing an unavoidable future was never good either. But some skeletons needed to come out of the closet because I did not know who my family were anymore. What urged me to avoid grief was why I indulged in my afflictions to begin with and how I was liable to my family's reluctance to be honest and help me have closure. They didn't understand what I was going through and my fear was that the truth may forever be concealed and I would be forced through my feigned imagination to contrive liberation out of the ashes of fallible past forever psychologically locked in the cage of my brother and father's mind. All this family drama caused me to break my sobriety with a friend. For some reason, I told myself one drink wouldn't hurt, but one beer quickly turned into two beers, but I was able to have control, self-control and stopped after feeling my mind altering and I feared drinking to intoxication would put me back in that state of annoyance and frustration, so I stopped. After leaving my friend, I went home and jumped on Grinder feeling for a hookup, but then I remembered my spiritual healer, Buller, saying that I should be careful not to be impulsive by the flesh, but rely on the spirit to choose someone for me, as the flesh can die and can throw me off course and make me lose focus on what I am on this earth to do. He spoke to me as if I had not found out what that was yet. Maybe going to school for social work was not the call that I expected, but I would surely miss miss it if I stopped paying attention to my thoughts because inspiration comes and goes in an instant and if I'm distracted I would surely miss it. The next morning I made an appointment to see my psychiatrist feeling that I needed to start taking medication for my fear-based anxiety. I struggled with the spirit of giving up though I made efforts to have more courage circumstances would get the best of me and I lose motivation to follow through. I felt when God finally revealed my true calling it would be enable me to accomplish my goals and finally kick my drinking habit for good and that is the final of that chapter thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next segment bye bye